Welcome to our midweek online Bible study. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're looking at the topic of godly training. Now, back in chapter 1, we learned that godly training in righteousness is needed to overcome the spirit of fear that is used by the devil in this world. In chapter 2, we learned that godly training in righteousness is always rooted in the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. Now we come to chapter 3, and we're going to study today godly training in righteousness and how it is so needed to prepare for what's ahead in the time in which we live, in what the Bible refers to as the last days. Now, look in verse 1, and it begins with a prophecy. Paul says, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Now, that term last days, without going in too much detail, is talking about the end time period surrounding Jesus's return. And variously, it's called the last times, the last hour, the last days, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, the days of God's wrath, the time of punishment, the end of the ages, the end of all things. It's it's always in reference to that time in which Christ is returning. These are the last days. Now notice Paul says, you got to write, write this down, mark it down. It's a prophecy. There will be terrible times in the last days. Notice Paul does not write, there may be tough times in the last days, or it might be terrible times in the last days, or it could be terrible times in the last days. No, he's very specific. It's a prophetic word here. He says, you got to mark it down. There will be terrible times in the last days. Now, like the earliest Christians, we live in the between time, between the time of Jesus's first arrival here on the earth and his second and last return. This delay in time, even back in the first century when Peter's writing, people of the world thought that that delay meant that it wasn't going to happen. But here we are some 2,000 years later, and the words that Peter writes about this are true for us today as well. And Peter says, look, this delay in the return of Christ causes the world to scoff and dismiss the fact that Jesus is returning and with him the judgment of God. But we know and we live with confidence that Jesus Christ is returning. That's the gist of what Peter says in 2 Peter. There's also this delusional belief in our human nature that as humans progress through history with our advancements that we're making a world a better place ecologically and socially and legislatively and morally and nationally and mentally and educationally and economically. However, you know as a Christian that that simply is delusional thinking. It's not reality and never will be. In fact, the prophecy is that as we draw closer to the sands in God's hourglass running out, there will be a terrible times. It won't get better. And if you don't learn this, you're going to remain frustrated. You might get discouraged. You might get demoralized. You might think, well, what's the point? People aren't listening. They're not obeying. It seems like they're getting away with all this. You need to remind yourself that the world is headed towards judgment. That's why these last days, 
Paul says, are going to be marked with terrible times. It's because of those terrible times that judgment is coming. Does that mean we should go around moaning and groaning and complaining and discouraged and demoralized? No, Paul doesn't mean this to discourage us or to depress us, but rather to prepare us. Just like when Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. There's always those in the walk of Christ who always want to make everything seem, everything's going to be okay. And everything's going to turn out all right. And you should keep a smile on your face. And and if you just have enough faith, everything's going to just be a-okay. But that Pollyanna view of life is not the world that Jesus portrays to us, nor Paul. Jesus says, if they persecuted you, they're going to persecute. If they rather, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you as well. And Paul will talk about this a little bit later on as well in terms of what we should expect. We need to be thoroughly trained in righteousness to prepare ourselves mentally and spiritually for what the world would be like. What your role is as a servant of Christ in this type of world and to rejoice that you can be equipped to be able to lead others to Jesus during these times. The Bible says that those that endure to the end will be saved, Matthew 10, 22. So our godly training involves understanding the prophecy of these last days. Mark this down. What, what, what should I mark down, Paul? How will I know what those marks are of the terrible times? Well, he says you mark these down. You can identify, you can observe, you can mark it down that these are characteristics of people that are living apart from Christ in the last days. And you need to be prepared for your mission. You need to be strong in your faith and increase in your hope in order to lead people out of the way of those things that are leading towards the judgment of God. Now, when you look in verse 2 through 9, there's a long list there that's basically divided into two categories of the marks of these terrible times. Now, when you read the list, probably like the way I read the list, you're not going to find anything on there that's just novel, that's never happened before. In fact, you can go to any place in the history of the world since before Jesus or while Jesus was on the earth, and you can see evidences of these categories throughout history. Why is that? And what are those categories? Well, here's the two categories, verse 2 through 9. It's people's actions and people's beliefs. People's actions, verses 2 through 5, and people's beliefs, verses 6 through 9. These traits are always evidence throughout all of history, wherever you cut it, because they come out of our human nature. So what I believe Paul is picturing for us is not new news about new actions or new beliefs. Rather, that like in the days of Noah prior to the flood, people in the last days will have these thoughts and imaginations as well that are continually on evil. Having rejected God's salvation, people in their last days without God have their minds and their imaginations controlled by the devil in these last days. That's why it's so terrible. And like obedient, submissive sheep, they follow the God of this world into deeper darkness, a darkness that is manifested in their actions and beliefs, doing things they never imagined would happen and believing things they never thought they would believe. Look at the actions that are here listed, starting in verse 2. 
People will be lovers of themselves. The age of me. They'll love money. They'll be boastful and proud. Some translations say here, blasphemers of God. Proud in their blasphemy of God. They'll be abusive in their actions. They will be disobedient to their parents. In other words, they turn away from authority. They don't listen to what the previous generation has to say. We have nothing to tell them. They'll be ungrateful and unholy, without love, slanderous and unforgiving, no self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, and loving their pleasures more than they love God. Now, those are the actions that are taking place. When you see people acting this way, you know that that's why the judgment of God is coming upon the world. You know that these are the things that people need to be saved from. And I, I want to make this point, because Paul will in just a moment, that this is not an us versus them. Now, these are the ways of the world. This is the way wicked people live without God. But what Paul is about to bring out is that in these terrible times, what makes it so terrible, that people in the church, people in the church, some people in the church will be marked by these characteristics as well. Instead of leading people out of this, people in church have become sheep and they have been led into these things. And you will find lovers of me and themselves and money and boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient. You'll find Christians that are ungrateful and unholy without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, loving their pleasures more than they love God. That's the actions. Now look at the beliefs. Verse five, this leads to having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And Paul says, have nothing to do with such people. So those marks of people's actions are not just outside the church, but inside the church. And people in church that know they need to repent of the guilt of their sins, instead of repenting, they now hold on to a form of religion that no longer makes them feel guilty. They have the church buildings. They have the church rituals. They have their traditions, but they do not have repentance. They do not have salvation. Instead, they have twisted the doctrines of the church to conform to their worldly lifestyles. They proclaim a message other than the good news of Christ. Holding on to the religious traditions, they even proclaim to be a Christian, but deny the power of repentance and live in opposition to the God they profess to love and serve. It reminds me of James chapter 1, verse 21 and following. Where James says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. He's saying, look, you can get rid of that moral filth. You can get rid of the things that cause guilt. You can get rid of the wickedness in the world. And the way you do that is by accepting the word of God that wants to be planted in you, that can lead you to salvation, that can make you wise towards salvation that Paul will tell Timothy. But here's what happened, he, James says, you are listening to the word and, you're do, and you are deceiving yourselves. Just don't be hearers of the word, be doers of the word, do what it says. 
Now, I believe I know that what some of you are thinking right now is how can a Christian get that way and be okay with that sort of Christianity? Well, you have to get to a point where your beliefs that control your actions get changed. Because if you can change your beliefs, then you can justify any action. Well, how does that happen? Well, let's look at verse 5 again with verse 6. They have a form of godliness, but deny its power, have nothing to do with such people. We'll see why in just a moment. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women. Now, not all women are gullible, nor are all men gullible. Both men and women can be gullible. So obviously he has a certain group in mind in Ephesus where Timothy is preaching and teaching at the time. Apparently a group of women had become gullible to having their beliefs change, which in turn changed their actions. He's going to get more specific in verse 8 in just a moment about who that might be, but just be patient. We'll get there in just a moment. But right now, here it is. How do we get to the point where godly training and righteousness is abandoned and we're content to hold on to an empty, empty, godless form of Christianity that has no power and allows Christians to live like the world and rationalize it's okay. Here's the word. He says they are gullible. That means you're weak-willed. You lack the discipline. You lack the training. You lack the knowledge. And what a vivid description here, right? They worm their way in. Satan knows how to use certain people to worm their way into vulnerable, weak-willed people's lives and ruin them. Since they're not trained in righteousness, even though they're supposed to be, since they're Christians, they are not prepared, they're not equipped, they fall for the teachings and the false beliefs. Now some will even talk about how terrible the times are that we're living in and how society is being filled with all those marks of those bad traits that are mentioned through two through five, but yet they do not see in their own lives the need for them to change. Instead of praying and equipping themselves in the word of God, instead of standing in their faith by wearing the armor of God, they begin to slip up and give up and compromise their beliefs and actions. Well, Paul says we need godly training and righteousness to keep from being gullible, weak-willed, to the schemes of the devil who wants to worm his way into your life and destroy your faith. Look again in verse 6. How do Christians in those terrible last days find themselves living like the world and away from God? They're not only gullible, but they're guilty. Gains control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. The guilt is there. They are burdened down with the guilt. They are gullible. They have the sins in their life that are weighing them down and they're being swayed to continue to do those evil desires. Well, how does that happen? Well, go down to the next chapter, chapter four, verse three, and here's what's happening. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Gullible, weak-willed, filled with guilt 
instead of listening to the truth and repenting and being cleansed of their sins, instead, they listen to teachers who say, well, maybe that's the way you were taught by your parents. Maybe that's the way you were raised in the church, but you know, it's possible their interpretations are wrong. There's another way to look at that verse and being as gullible as you are because you're not trained in righteousness and wanting to follow after the sway of your evil desires and being filled with guilt and not having to deal with the guilt, you listen. And now instead of following the truth, your itching ears are loving the myths you're being told. And that's what they were doing there in Paul's day in Ephesus. In verse 8, he gives this illustration as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. So do these that also resist the truth, men of corrupt and depraved minds who as far as their faith is concerned are rejected. Who were Janus and Jambres? Well, they were magicians that opposed Moses who was a prophet and a man of God and they opposed him by demonic powers with their false signs and fake miracles. So what do we do? What does it mean to be trained in righteousness to overcome this? This is... You've got to follow the right shepherd. Verse 10. Paul says, you know all about my teachings, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience and love. Don't follow after the Janus and the Jambres. Don't follow after the ones who are, who are picking on you and picking you off because you're gullible and filled with guilt. Follow the right shepherd. Don't be a sheep following after the wrong leaders. Think about what you're doing. Be aware, discern, use the spiritual understanding that the Holy Spirit has given you. And don't have anything to do with anyone who perceives you to be gullible and instead of leading you to the power of the gospel to save you from the guilt or leading you to living like people for which terrible times of judgment are going to happen. You got to follow the right shepherd like Paul, who's the right model in his way of life. Secondly, you're trained in godly Righteousness to be able to endure in terrible times. To keep on doing the right things when you don't feel like doing the right things. To keep on moving forward when you feel like just sitting down and quitting for a while. To keep on being the leader, to being doing the work that God has called you to do, to be the church. The things we go through can make us bitter or better. The suffering that we go through can make us stronger or weaker. There's no guaranteed outcome. But there is one outcome that will happen if we are not being trained in righteousness, and that is we will not endure, and the suffering can destroy, and the times which we go through can make us weaker, and can get us discouraged, and cause us to give up, and so we are to endure. The people living apart from God are not content to let you live the way you want to. They, they preach tolerance. They preach freedom. They tell you that everyone should have the right to choose. Everyone should be able to do the, what they want to do. But in those last days when you choose to live by the power of God and live by the word of truth, you're going to stand out. And to people who are living by the way of the world, they're like a hammer and you're like a nail. They don't want you to have liberty. They don't want you to be free to choose. No, they're going to nail you down. They're going to try to destroy you. They're going to demand you like a blind sheep that you're going to have to follow and accept and approve of what they're doing. And they're going to continue to be relentless until you cave in. Listen, 
you got to stand up. This is the time and moment when we must stand up with courage and with conviction and say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one to whom I will bow. He's the one that I am training myself in righteousness so that I can lead people out of the wicked ways in which they're part of. In fact, that's what Paul says. In fact, Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to be persecuted while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's not going to get better. They're going to be relentless and not let up. They're, they're going to go from bad to evil to wicked. They're going to try not only to do those things, but to make sure that you're approving of them and following along as well to lead you into it. You have to follow the right shepherd. You have to endure during these times. You have to have a conviction of the truth. While the majority of society will follow like sheep, the evildoers and deceivers, you know in whom you believed. You know the power of the gospel of Christ to save you. You will not be gullible, but you will be even more persuaded and convinced that God's word is truth. Verse 14. As for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. You've had the right shepherd, your grandmother, your mother, and you've had me, Paul, the apostle. How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Endure in it. Listen to your Christian parents. Follow their examples. Remember what you were taught in your home if you're raised in a Christian family. Others around you of your age may have a spirit of disobedience and rejection of what their parents taught and believed. They may even have a disdain and rebellion against spiritual truths and want to see all the foundations of that Christian worldview torn down as something that's being old and no longer relevant. Don't go down that path. God's word is truth. Remain convinced of that and continue in it. Train yourself in God's righteousness. Follow the right shepherds. Endure the persecution for living the right way. And one more, and we'll close here. Be equipped in the word of God for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 18. We're back to the verses that we've pointed to each week in this series. All scripture is God-breathed. Where does scripture come from? From the breath of God. What's it useful for? Teaching, rebuking, correction, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God, put your name there, David, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has something for you to do. You're part of that mission. I like what that old gospel song has us sing. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the news to every land. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We know the prophecy, mark it down. This is how people will act and believe in the terrible last days outside of the church and inside the church. Don't be gullible. Don't be weak-minded. Don't be naive. Don't be led away from the truth of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No, instead of being gullible, Instead of being remaining in your guilt and being led and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, keep your conviction in the word of God, which comes from God. 
When you stay in the word, it convicts you of your sins. It leads you to repentance, to eternal life. It teaches you, it rebukes you, it corrects you. And in the process, it is training you in righteousness so that as a servant of God, David, you are thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we need to be equipped, folks. Whatever we're going through here, we're going to come out stronger. We're going to have a greater mission. We're going to, God is leading us somewhere through all this. But in order to be able to, Him leading us, following Him, being committed to His truth, we want to use that truth to correct us and train us in righteousness so that we're thoroughly equipped for the good works that God has planned for us in the future. Jesus uses us as the equipped church to preach the word of truth to a lost and dying world. Here's the good news. In terrible times, God desires to rescue anyone who calls upon his name to be saved. And the way those who are lost are ever going to listen to the plan of salvation is through the example, the conviction of the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do not be content with a powerless gospel. Don't be gullible to those who oppose the truth. Follow the right shepherds, models of those who live a faithful life to God. Endure the persecution of doing the right things in a wrong and wicked society. Continue the truth of God's word and let Christ transform you by training in righteousness. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope this midweek lesson will strengthen your faith and increase your hope in Jesus Christ. God bless you, and I look forward to worshiping with you this coming Sunday.